0: The Creepshow Chronicles contains graphic and disturbing content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Creep Show, where we talk about true crime, the paranormal, and everything in between. Today on The Creep Show, we're talking about Matthew Shepard, and I have a question for you guys, and you can answer on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, where is one haunted place that you would want to visit before you die? Um, anywhere in the world, um, whether it's Waverly Hills, the Catacombs, anywhere, um, Proveglia. Wherever you want to visit. Where is that place and why? Tell us on social media. All right, let's get into this story about Matthew Shepard. I do remember when this happened. I would have been probably 12 or 13 years old whenever it happened. And he was a young man in Laramie, Wyoming. And he was discovered by a cyclist who was riding his bike. When he saw what he thought was a scarecrow. As he got closer, he realized that it was a person. A young man who was tied to a fence and left to die. The young man's name was Matthew Shepard. Matthew Wayne Shepard was born on December 1, 1976, in Casper, Wyoming, the oldest of two sons born to Judy Peck and Dennis Shepard. His younger brother, Logan, was born in 1981. Shepard attended Crest Hill Elementary, Dean Morgan Junior High, and Natrona County High School from freshman to junior year. His father was hired by Saudi Aramco, an oil and natural gas company based in Dharan, Saudi Arabia. It is one of the largest companies in the world. While they were there, Matthew attended an American school in Switzerland, from which he graduated in May 95. He took theater, German, and Italian courses, and then he attended Catawba College in North Carolina, and Casper College in Wyoming, in Laramie. He minored in languages and was chosen as the student representative for the Wyoming Environmental Council. He was Episcopalian and once served as an altar boy. He was described by his father as an optimistic and accepting young man who had a special gift for relating to almost everyone. Matthew had a great passion for equality and always stood up for the acceptance of people's differences. Michael Joe who had been Shepherd's friend and later created a documentary about him, Matt Shepard is a friend of mine, described him as a tender-hearted and kind person. This caused him to experience depression and panic attacks. According to his mother, one of his friends feared that his depression had driven him to become involved with drugs during this time at college. He was hospitalized multiple times due to clinical depression and suicidal ideation. We're going to go ahead and skip ahead three years to October 6, 1998. Shepard was approached by Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson at the Fireside Lounge in Laramie. All three men were in their early twenties. McKinney and Henderson decided to give Shepard a ride home. They drove to a remote rural area and proceeded to rob, pistol whip, and torture Shepard. They then tied him to a barbed wire fence and left him to die. Many reports describe how Shepard was beaten so brutally that his face was completely covered in blood except where it has been cleared by his tears. Neither Henderson nor McKinney were under the influence at the time. Their girlfriends testified to this at the trial. McKinney and Henderson testified that they learned of Shepard's address and intended to steal from his home as well after attacking him and leaving him tied to the fence in near freezing temperatures. The two returned to town, and McKinney proceeded to pick a fight with two Hispanic youths, Emiliano Morales and Jeremy Herrera. The fight resulted in head wounds for both Morales and McKinney. Police officer Flint Waters arrived at the scene of the fight, He arrested Henderson, searched McKinney's truck, and found a blood-smeared gun along with Shepard's shoes and a credit card. Henderson and McKinney later tried to persuade alibis for them and help them dispose of evidence. Reggie Flutie, the first police officer to arrive at the scene, found Shepard alive but covered in blood. The medical gloves provided by the Albany County Police Department were faulty and Flutie's supply ran out. She decided to use her bare hands to clear an airway in Shepard's bloody mouth. A day later, she was informed that Shepard was, in fact, HIV positive and that she may have been exposed to the virus due to cuts on her hand, presumably from the barbed wire. After taking an AZT regimen for several months, she tested negative for HIV. Shepard was transported first to Ivinson Memorial Hospital in Laramie before being transported to the more advanced trauma ward at Padre Valley Hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado. He had suffered fractures to the back of his head and in front of his right ear. He experienced severe brainstem damage, which affected his body's ability to regulate his heartbeat, body temperature, and other vital functions. There were also about a dozen small lacerations about his head, face, and neck. His injuries were deemed too severe for doctors to operate. He never regained consciousness and remained on full life support. While he lay in intensive care and in the days following the attack, candlelight vigils were held around the world. McKinney and Henderson were arrested and initially charged with attempted murder, kidnapping, and aggravated robbery. The charges were changed to first-degree murder, which meant the two defendants were eligible for the death penalty. Their girlfriends, Kristen Pierce and Chastity Paisley, were charged with being accessories after the fact. At McKinney's November 1998 pre hearing, Sergeant Rob DeBrie testified that McKinney had stated in an interview on October 9th that he and Henderson had identified Shepard as a robbery target and pretended to be gay to lure him to his truck. Also that McKinney had attacked Shepard after Matthew put his hand on his knee. Toxic masculinity for a thousand, Alex. Jackass. Detective Ben Fritzen testified that Price stated McKinney told her the violence against Shepard was triggered by how McKinney felt about gays. Obviously. In December 1998, Paisley pleaded guilty to being an accessory after the fact to first-degree murder on April 5, 1999. Henderson avoided going to trial when he pleaded guilty to murder and kidnapping charges. In order to avoid the death penalty, he agreed to testify against McKinney and was sentenced by District Court Jeffrey A. Donnell to two consecutive life terms. At Henderson's sentencing, his lawyer argued that Shepard had not been targeted because he was gay. McKinney's trial took place in October and November of '99. Prosecutor Cal Rarucha alleged that McKinney and Henderson pretended to be gay to gain Shepard's trust. Price, McKinney's girlfriend, testified that Henderson and McKinney had pretended that they were gay to get Matthew in the truck and rob him. McKinney's lawyers attempted to put forward a gay panic defense, arguing that McKinney was driven to temporary insanity by alleged sexual advances by Shepard, which is absolutely ridiculous. This defense was rejected by the judge, thankfully. McKinney's lawyer stated that the two men wanted to rob Shepard, but never intended to kill him. Rarucha argued that the killing had been premeditated, driven by greed and violence, rather than by Shepard's sexual orientation. The jury found McKinney not guilty of premeditated murder by but guilty of felony murder and began to deliberate on the death penalty. Shepard's parents brokered a deal that resulted in McKinney receiving two consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. Henderson and McKinney were incarcerated in the Wyoming State Penitentiary in Rawlins, and were later transferred to other prisons because of overcrowding. Following her testimony at McKinney's trial, Price pleaded guilty to a reduced charge of misdemeanor interference with a police officer. Shepard's murder continued to attract public attention and media coverage long after the trial was over. In 2004, the ABC News program 2020 aired a report that quoted statements by McKinney, Henderson, Price, Arrucha, and a lead investigator. The statements alleged that the murder had not been motivated by Shepard's sexuality, but was primarily a drug-related robbery that had turned violent. Price said that she had lied to police about McKinney having been provoked by an unwanted sexual advance from Shepard, telling TV journalist Elizabeth Fargus, I don't think that it was a hate crime at all, Robucha said. It was a murder that was once again driven by drugs. The book said that Shepard and McKinney, the killer who inflicted the injuries, had been occasional sex partners and that Shepard was a methamphetamine dealer. Jimenez wrote that Fritson told an interview, Matthew Shepard's sexual preference or sexual orientation certainly wasn't the motive of the homicide. Many commentators have criticized Jimenez's views on the attack as being sensational and misleading. Those views were shared by gay advocacy organizations and cultural critics. Some commentators, however, have spoken up to defend it. Some police who were involved in the investigation have criticized Jimenez's conclusions, while other police said that there was evidence that drugs were an important factor that led to the murder. Which, who cares? He shouldn't have been murdered at all. Like, who cares if he was dealing drugs? He still didn't deserve to be murdered. Dumbass. Speaking of dumbasses, members of the Westboro Baptist Church, led by Fred Phelps, received national attention for picketing Shepard's funeral with signs being homophobic slogans such as, Matt in Hell and God Hates Fags. I've experienced the Westboro Baptist Church in person in uh, at Pride in St. Louis, and um, anyone who's a part of that church or supports that church doesn't deserve happiness. Church members also mounted anti-gay protests during the trials of Henderson and McKinney. In response, Romaine Patterson, one of Shepard's friends, organized a group that assembled in a circle around the Westboro Baptist Church protesters. The group wore white robes and gigantic wings resembling angels that blocked the protesters. Despite this action, Shepard's parents were still able to hear the protesters shouting anti-gay remarks and comments directed towards them. The police intervened and created a human barrier between the two groups. An angel action was founded by Patterson in April 1999. In the years following her son's death, Judy Shepard has worked as an advocate for LGBT rights, particularly issues relating to gay youth. She was the main force behind the Matthew Shepard Foundation which she and her husband Dennis founded in December 1998. Gay rights activist John Stoltenberg has said that to portray Shepard as a gay bashing victim is to present an incomplete account of his victimization. Keeping Matthew as the poster boy of a gay hate crime and ignoring the full tragedy of his story has been the agenda of many gay movement leaders Ignoring the tragedies of Matthew's life prior to his murder will do nothing to help other young men in our community who are sold for sex, ravaged by drugs, and generally exploited. In June 2019, Shepard was one of the inaugural 50 American pioneers, trailblazers, and heroes inducted into the National LGBTQ Wall of Honor within the Stonewall National Monument in New York City's Stonewall Inn. Requests for new legislation to address hate crimes gained momentum during the coverage of the incident. Under existing United States federal law and Wyoming state laws, crimes committed on the basis of sexual orientation could not be prosecuted as hate crimes, which is bullshit. A few hours after Shepard was discovered, his friends Walt Bolden and Alex Trout began to contact media organizations claiming that Shepard had been assaulted because he was gay. According to prosecutor Cal Verruccia, they were calling the county's attorney office, they were calling the media and indicating Matthew Shepard is gay, and we don't want the fact that he is gay to go unnoticed. Tina Labrie, a close friend of Shepard, said that Bolden and Trout wanted to make Matt a poster child or something for their cause. Bolden linked the attack to the absence of a Wyoming criminal statute providing for a hate crime charge. In the following session of the Wyoming legislature, a bill was introduced that defined certain attacks motivated by a victim's sexual orientation as a hate crime. The measure failed on a 30-30 tie in the Wyoming House of Representatives. President Bill Clinton renewed attempts to extend federal hate crime legislation to include gay people, women, and people with disabilities. A Hate Crimes Prevention Act was introduced in both the United States Senate and House of Representatives in November 97, and reintroduced in March 99, but was passed by only the Senate in July of 99. In September 2000, both houses of Congress passed such legislation, however, it was stripped out in conference committee. On March 20, 2007, Matthew Shepard and James Byrd, Jr., the Hate Crimes Prevention Act was introduced as federal bipartisan legislation in the United States Congress, sponsored by Democrat John Conyers. Shepard's parents attended the introduction ceremony. The bill passed on the House of Representatives on May 3, 2007. Similar legislation passed in the Senate on September 27, 2007. However... Then-President George W. Bush indicated that he would veto the legislation if it reached his desk. Fuck you. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, said that she was still committed to be getting the Matthew Shepard Act passed. Pelosi planned to get the bill passed in early 2008, although she did not succeed. Following his election as President, Barack Obama stated that he was committed to passing the Act. The U.S. House of Representatives debated expansion of hate crimes legislation on April 29, 2009. During the debate, Representative Virginia Fox of North Carolina called the hate crime labeling of Shepard's murder a hoax. Fox later called her comments a poor choice of words. You're a poor choice, human. The House passed the act, the Matthew Shepard Act, was adopted as an amendment. By a vote 63 to 28 on july 15, thousand nine. On October twenty second, two thousand nine, the Senate passed the act by a vote of sixty-eight to twenty-nine. President Obama signed the measure into law on October twenty-eighth, two thousand nine. And if you would like to donate to the Laramie Project, head to Matthewshepherd.org/slash the Laramie Project. And that is the story of Matthew Shepherd. Um, it is very sad and unfortunate and It should be taken seriously. All all hate crimes should be taken seriously. And it sucks whenever you have people like Jesse Smollett who want to make it even harder for people who experience hate crimes to be taken seriously. You know, quit being an asshole to people. Just be nice. Quit treating people that are different than you differently because you don't understand their quote-unquote lifestyle, which it's not a lifestyle. It's just who they are. Um and yeah. So that was the Creep Show. I'm Sarah. Normally I would say that's actually but I'll- thanks for listening to the Creep Show Chronicles. Follow us on social media and share our show so we can grow our audience.